So, good morning, everyone. Good morning. Ron, uh, Yaron, and I are just so honored to uh, continue to worship with you, number mm. one, and, and how you welcomed us into the congregation and just made us feel at home. Uh, but also, we get to share from the Word of God, both you know, to the to the fellow members here. Amen. Um, and so we've we've done communion and we've done maybe the opening prayer and welcome and that sort of thing, but we've never done a sermon, right? So this is our first time. So be gentle with us, <laughs> please. Uh, I'll just start by saying a couple of things. I do want to welcome anyone who's visiting for the first time. Mm-hmm. I know we have a family and, and a young adult getting ready to start school yeah. in a new chapter of her life. I overheard a little bit of the conversation, so so welcome and anybody who's coming back visiting, welcome as well. Um, and like Peter mentioned, uh, we're here because my wife works as a surgical technologist at uh, CBHP, Champlain, CBPA, <laughs> Champlain uh, Valley Physicians Hospital. Yeah. I, I wrote that acronym out last night, so I'm not going to mess that up. <laughs> um, but I, I think in our welcoming comments, the one thing we both agreed that we wanted to share is how welcome we feel yeah. by you guys. I mean, like knocking on Peter's and Jeanette's door, like, hello, how's it going? Let us in. <laughs> and they were like, come on in. I mean, you know, hugs. We were eating that day and, and great message, great fellowship. And from the from the word go, we, we felt included. We felt welcome um, from everybody. And um, I think when we compare, you know, we're not trying to compare, but when we think about, okay, we're from a church that has about 650 plus members in North Carolina, and now we're here, very different. Mm-hmm. And the thing that we love the most about it is how intimate it is, right? Because mm-hmm. when I talk to brothers at home, right, like sometimes we still do virtual midweek and that kind of thing, I go, bro, can you imagine being in service on Sunday? And after the message, they go, what do you think about that, Peter? Or what do you think about that, Alex? They go, whoa, that happened there? I go, yeah, that happened there. <laughs> They're like, wow, I would love that. Right? So we don't, you know, we always think the grass is green on the other side, but we relish, you know, this type of intimacy. Um, and like Peter said, you know, it's Father's Day. Um, so I definitely want to uh, wish all the fathers and the fathers-to-be out there, you know, happy Father's Day. And... Um, if you're like me, maybe you no longer even have your father around, right? Um, and I just, you know, definitely my, my, my thoughts and our prayers go out if, you, if your father's no longer here. But also I would encourage you but just by thinking that, hey, we have an eternal father that we can cling to and he'll never leave us. So just be encouraged by that. Um, so that's the occasion, right? Father's Day, so we get to talk about that. And it's also Juneteenth, right? So we'll give you a little bit of that too, <laughs> and I'll be honest with you when we when we picked this day and I saw that oh wow that's going to be Father's Day and Juneteenth how are we going to deal with both those and make it spiritual right <laughs> so we've been working on this <laughs> uh, so I'll stop talking and and invite Yvonne up and she'll share first and then I'll continue. All right, good morning again. Good morning. It's great to be here. Great to share and. Thirteen weeks. Friday was my last day, and um, mm-hmm. then you know 
Um, but to say that you're not going to get rid of us that easy, <laughs> my new assignment will be, I have extended my stay. Nice. Uh, so I'm looking forward to staying. They've been in here for another 13, so you have us till mid-October. <coughs>
and so we do go down to a different area, you know, a different path. But, and then, you know, we have to remember when we are dealing against God, we're actually dealing against our best interests. And um, so it says in John 14, I think John 14, 6, Jesus told him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can um, come to, no, I'm sorry, no one can come to the Father except through me. I think we just sung a song about that, those verses. How clear is that path right there? Yeah. He, he tells us specifically how to get to our Father. Um, the next verse was um, Mark 8. 34, Mark 8, 34. If anyone would come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Did God say it was going to be easy following him? <laughs> not at all. Not with the world we live in today. No. It's not easy. It's challenging. And as we are here as human beings, we want our rights. We want to, you know, we don't want no one to take our rights. we going to um, corrupt and destroy our environment around us? Are we going to be proud and pursue polluting the area? Mm -hmm. Or are we going to let God guide us and show us a path to go down through his Holy Spirit? We have to remember God is our best travel agent we have. <laughs> so, um, your children. You know, you give them advice. You try their tears. You pick them up when they fall. And you know, as they get older, um, they think they know every single thing. <laughs> <laughs> That's when we, you try to, you give them your wisdom. You know, your experiences that you've gone through. And then you try to lead them to the best path that you want them to be on. That you're still trying to be on each and every day. We all are. So I was going to um, end, so happy Father's Day to your father. Mm -hmm. And I was going to end with um, one of the poems, and everybody knows this poem, but this is one of my favorites. I call it my favorite silver poem, The Footprints in the Sand. Everybody knows this, but I am going to read it. <laughs> okay. okay. So it says, one night I had a dream. A dream I was walking along the beach with the Lord. Across the sky flashed scenes from my life. But each scene, I noticed two sets of footprints in the sand, one belonging to me and one other to the Lord. When the last scene of my life flashed before me, I looked back at the footprints in the sand. I noticed that many times along the path of my life, there was only one set of footprints. I also noticed that it happens at the very lowest and saddest times in my life. This really bothered me and I questioned the Lord about it. Lord, you said that once I decide to follow you, you'll walk with me all the way. 
but I have noticed that during the most troublesome times in my life, there is only one set of footprints. I don't understand why. And when I, when I need you the most, you will leave me. And the Lord replied, my precious, my precious child, I love you and will never leave you. During your times of trials and sufferings, when you only have seen one set of footprints, it was then that I carried you. Mm -hmm. So even when we get out that path, that is so obvious to us sometimes, God just looks down at us. Mm -hmm. He picks us up like yeah. the shepherd picks up the sheep and pulls off his shoulder mm -hmm. and carries him back. That's what God will do for us in Jesus' strong a lot of times we take try to take the world on our shoulders but sometimes we too we too have a heart we too have feelings and want to be loved and so we need each other and we definitely need God so thank you um, I'll start by um, sharing some thoughts about Juneteenth and how we can relate that to uh, you know uh, the, the, the scripture as well as uh, what we've been reading about. And then I'll finish with some thoughts on Father's Day. And I'll go ahead and let the cat out the bag. We have a gift for the fathers in the room, right? Um, you know, I was telling you about you know women always get these nice gifts. You got flowers, and you got cards, and all these nice sweet sentiments. And we usually get what? <laughs> so we're going to step it up for the dads a little bit. Today. So hold on. We're, we're going to we're going to we're going to We're not going that far. This is not Oprah. <laughs> all right. Um, so in all seriousness, let's 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 dig into uh, Juneteenth, right? And for those, and I think most of us know this, but maybe not all, so we're going to kind of hopefully get on the same page. What is Juneteenth, and why do we celebrate it, right? And, and what's the relationship to, uh, you know, what we can talk about in church around it? So, yeah, it's, you know, the whole name, Juneteenth, right? It's June 19th, and when you put those two together, you got Juneteenth. And historically, on June 19th in 1865, you had General... Um, Gordon Granger, who landed in Galveston, Texas, and he basically said, hey, I'm here with the U.S. Union Army, and slavery is over. But the, the, the reality was, it was over two and a half years before that, when the Emancipation Proclamation was issued by Lincoln. So when you think about that, like, wow. But the reality was, you know, in, in, in um, 
stronghold Confederate held lands or those states, it was tough, if not impossible, to implement uh, even U.S. laws, right? Especially if they went against you know the, the, the history and society and the and the culture of slavery. But he you know he went there and, he, and they got it done. And the the reality of that you got to think about wow. Can you imagine enduring two and a half years of something that you didn't have to? Mm-hmm. And you personalize it for yourself. Like, wow, what if I had a <coughs> debilitating, life-threatening disease, but they found a cure two and a half years ago, and I could have not been suffering the way that I'm suffering, right? What if I lost a child and they were just, you know, near me, but I had no idea they'd been around me, maybe in the same neighborhood for two and a half years. Right? Imagine that, right? I mean, fill in the blank. Whatever's important to you, whatever you feel, feel is challenging or impossible for you to endure, imagine enduring it for two and a half years more than what you had to. Right? That was the reality. That happened in our own country. Right? And so when you think about this relationship of African Americans and, and, and America, United States of America, it can sometimes be seen as a complicated relationship, right? When you think about the atrocities, the adverse treatment, um, too numerous to mention, right? This is not a history class, um, but that's the reality. And we know that there's still, I mean, I'll be honest with you, I do tons of work in the diversity, equity, inclusion space as myself business owner, and I look at real data in companies, and I look at, you know, who's better paid, who's most hired, who's first fired, who's promoted, who's, you know, fill in the blank in terms of what's working and what's not working in any organization. I look at that hard, cold data, statistically and qualitatively, in terms of what the numbers say and what the people say, right? And we put that together and we help leaders and organizations decide what they're going to do with that. Um, and when you think about the here and now, like Yvonne mentioned, in our country, some would say we live in a divided nation. You think about things like race, socioeconomics, religion, you know, you name it, uh, politics even. <coughs> but the reality is this. We know about the kingdom. Mm-hmm. We know about God. We know about that one thing, that one spirit, that one baptism, regardless of our differences. So yeah, we live in a place with some contradictions. We live in a place that's not perfect. And I would even argue, even our own church is not perfect. But our father that we follow is perfect. And his word is perfect. And we are imperfect beings trying to follow him. Right? So I talk about the past. Right? We talk about the here and now, what's going on. And now let's think about the future. We got a lot of young people in the room, right? You guys are the future, starting college and all of that, doing great things. We got three young adults ourselves, 22 to 35. And it's amazing <laughs> the energy that they bring, the intellect, and, and how they see the world and, and the stuff that they're doing. But when I think about the future, I actually go back to the past, to Martin Luther King Jr. And his I have a dream speech. He said, I'll quote it. I have a dream 
that my four little children will one day live in a nation where they will not be judged by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character. Mm -hmm. Right? And I would ask, are we there yet? Would you be the judge? Now, I said I do a lot of diversity work in the work that I do. And I've studied the scripture. I'm like, wow, does God care about diversity? Let's look at 1 Corinthians 12, 12 through 31. Now, we're not going to look at all of that. I would like for someone to volunteer to read verse 12, verse 13, and then 25 through 26. And it could be three different people, it doesn't matter. Starting with verse 12. And I, and I would ask you, you know, when you got your own time, go back and, and look at that the entire passage, First Corinthians 12, 12 through 30. It's, it's really about uh, the one body with many parts. Who would read verse 12 for us? Yes. The body is a unit, so it is made up of many parts, and though all its parts are many, they form one body. So it is with Christ. Absolutely, absolutely. So we got one body, we got many parts. It's like we got one <coughs> church, there's many different people in this church, right? Mm-hmm. And the thing that came up to me was God in his, in his wisdom, right, of making us different and giving us the different gifts, that was by design. Yeah. He didn't make us all the same. He made us different. And he gave us mm-hmm. different gifts, yeah. right? Which I think is great, especially in a small congregation because everybody's got to contribute, right, using yeah. those different gifts. Who can sing who can do the newsletter? Who can do the video? <laughs> who can stand up and preach? Mm-hmm. Who can greet visitors? Right? Who's got those gifts? But we got to be careful. Don't be too proud when you've been blessed with your gifts. Maybe you can speak better than someone. Maybe you're more charismatic and connect with people better. Right? Let's not be too proud of the gifts that we've been blessed with. Let's use them for God. And then let's not sit on our gifts. If you see a need, stand up and help in that space, right? God gave you that gift, not for you to sit on, but for you to use it, and use it till you're like empty, right? Don't take it to the grave with you. Use it. What about verse 13? Who can read that one for us? Peter. For For we were all baptized by one spirit, so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentile, slave or free, and we are all given the one spirit to drink. Mm. Think about that for a moment. Um, the thing that came up for me is that sometimes our differences can divide us, even in church, right? And we don't lose our individual identities because we're in one church, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, even though we're baptized in oneness with the Holy Spirit. I, I remember being in a family group in North Carolina. Well, I'm still in that same family group. And there was a person um, um, from Eritrea, one of the mm-hmm. countries in Africa. And he, 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 we were talking about you know, our differences and, and cultural norms and that sort of thing. And he, he struggled when he first came to America because he, he, he ran into a situation where he needed to get back to his home country in Africa. And he was trying to figure out you know, financially and, and logistically how he was going to do that. 
And, and a couple of brothers came up to him and go, bro, why are you being so prideful? You won't even ask for help to go back to your home country. I, I can't remember if it was a funeral or a sick relative or what have you. And he had to explain to them that, hey, my, in my culture, the thing that we're taught to do is whenever you face a problem, do everything in your power to solve that problem. And if you need help, reach out and get help. But do everything in your power first. So he was essentially doing what he was taught, right? Mm -hmm. And to not understand that, not to listen to that, not to even consider that, versus you're just being prideful. <clears throat> it's like, we got to remember, we still have individual identities, even though we have one baptism. Yeah. And we can't forget that. And we can't ignore that, right? Um. Who can read verse 25 and 26 for us? So that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Thank you for that. So I ask you a question. What's your reaction when someone else is honored? Especially if you felt you should have that honor. Can you also empathize with someone when they're struggling? Especially if your first thought is, wow, what did they do to bring that on themselves? Mm -hmm. Right? Mm -hmm. So we, we really have to go internal with that scripture and really reflect on ourselves. Like, wow, <coughs> can I be happy for this person, for that honor? For that commitment, for that victory that they're experiencing, even though I'm like, wow, why aren't I getting that? Wow. It's, if that's my first reaction, I need to check my heart. Mm -hmm. And if someone is struggling and you don't understand their struggle or you're not empathizing with their struggle, the question is, wow, can we simply meet people where they are, right, and be helpful, especially if they are struggling? We, they haven't been given what I've been given. Their experiences might be different than mine. So what they're experiencing and what they're going through, instead of me judging that or saying they brought it on themselves, how about I try to connect with them? How about I try to understand that? How about I try to realize that I don't know what their background is or what they're going through or how that occurred? I have no idea. I can make assumptions. I can make a story in my head. I can base it on what I might see, but I don't know. Right? It might be my truth but it may not be the truth. Mm -hmm. right. So the last thing I'll say as I get ready to close out the, the Juneteenth part of this and we move to Father's Day is we may appear quite different, especially on the outside, right? But at the end of the day, and, and it could be as different as, wow, a slave versus a free person. Talk about difference, right? Mm -hmm. We go back to Juneteenth. But we all know where our true home is. We all know what we're, where we're trying to make it to and that we're trying to get there together. And when we're standing in front of our Father, giving an account for our lives, what difference will my income make at that point? What difference will my job type will my business make at that point? What about my political affiliation? What difference will that make when I'm standing before my giving an account for my life. Mm -hmm. 
color scheme. That's different than when you stand before God, giving an account for your life. So I'll end sort of where we started uh, with the Juneteenth, going back to Martin Luther King Jr. We'll be judged by the content of our character, mm-hmm. not by the color of our skin. Please remember that. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, I, actually, there is one other thing I wanted to point out before we transition from Juneteenth and, and the spiritual dimension of things. I've been asked the question, uh, does God really care about diversity? I've heard brothers and sisters in our own congregation say, hey, are we trying to solve the problems of the world? Is that really our job? I thought about that. Someone, turn over to Acts 6, verses 1 through 4. Let's try to see what the Bible says about this. Come on, yeah. Acts 6, verse 1 through 4. Who can read that? In those days, when the number of disciples was increasing, the Hellenistic Jews among them complained against the Hebraic Jews because their widows were being overlooked in the daily distribution of food. So the twelve gathered all the disciples together and said, It would not be right for us to neglect the ministry of the word of God in order to wait on tables. Brothers and sisters, choose seven men from among you who are known to be full of the spirit and wisdom. We will turn this responsibility over to them and we'll give our attention to prayer and the ministry of the word. Boom. So think about that. Hmm, what was going on? Think about it. In that instance, right, you had the Greek-speaking believers complaining about the Hebrew-speaking believers, saying, hey, when it comes to distributing food to the Greek-speaking widows who probably couldn't fend for themselves, who didn't have a husband, who might have been older, right, we're not getting the same distribution of food. Right? Think about the differences there. What differences might have existed? Could there have been a language difference? A gender difference? A marital status difference? An ethnicity difference? A socioeconomic difference? The beauty of that was seven men full of spirit and wisdom were chosen to address that. Now, before we answer the question, does God care about diversity? You know, 2 Timothy 3.16 says, All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. Would Acts 6 be in the Bible if God didn't care about diversity? You can answer that for yourself. If all scripture is used for all those purposes. So let's transition to Father's Day. Dad's going, what's my gift? What's my gift? (laughs) Calm down! (laughs) We're not used to getting gifts. (laughs) Some of us are. So like Peter and Yvonne mentioned, uh, we've been reading the book, especially for people who might be visiting. This is is a phenomenal book. I love this book. Uh, A Shepherd Looks at Psalms 23 by W. Philip Walker. I mean, Keller. W. Philip Keller. And um, we focused on chapter 6, which is 
he guides me in paths of righteousness in his name's sake. And like Vaughn said, you know, and throughout the entire book, they compare people to sheep behavior. People behaving to sheep behavior. And, and to Vaughn's point, she talked about sheep. They habitually graze the same place all the way down to where there's to the roots and it's destroyed and there's scorched earth and it's gone, right? And and to the point of destruction, like wow, I have no more food. What am I going to do now, right? From the sheep looking for pastures. And so when you think about, I said, wow, that's like a, a sheep rut going to the same place in the same thing all the time, right? Yeah. But wow, what about people ruts mm. going to the same sin or back to the same sin? over and over and over, almost to the point of destruction, mm -hmm. right? But what we learned in that chapter is that <clears throat> the shepherds intervene when the sheep have that behavior. Mm -hmm. And how do they, how do they, does anybody remember how, what the shepherd does? It's pretty simple. You rotate the field. Okay, guys, I'm going to shut this field off. Now we're going to eat over here. I'm going to shut that off. Now we're going to eat over here. So we, they, they move, right? They rotate, which I'm like, okay, that's pretty simple. And so he's leading them, right? And so the question is, what ruts are we stuck in or continuing to return to that's not good for us that may lead to our spiritual downfall? What rut am I in? Right? And then the question is, will you allow the good shepherd to lead you to bring a pastor? It'll work, right? So, in the chapter, right? There's, there's. I kind of, I love the fact that we had this chapter, right? I'm like, oh, they made it pretty simple for us. <laughs> there's seven points in this chapter. <laughs> I know we're a pretty linear guy, right? I'm like, I can just follow these seven points. I'll talk about it and I'm done, right? And, and, and. But here's the thing. There's one word. I said, Yvonne. I said, I'm going to read these to you, and, and each of these seven points. And let's talk about, let's, let's on the other side of it, let's figure out what's the bottom line of these seven points. And we both came up with the same word. And we'll see what you come up with. The first one was, number one, on page 91. Instead of loving, instead of loving myself most, am I willing to love Christ best and others more than myself? That was point number one. Point number two, I guess the author was pretty much saying, you know, if you're going to be this, if you're going to follow the good shepherd, what does it really take, right, versus destroying yourself over and over and over. Point two, instead of being one of the crowd, am I willing to be singled out and set apart from the gang? I think this one can be especially applied to our college-bound students, right? <laughs> um, am I willing to stand out do what I came here for. Stay focused and get it done, right? <clears throat> With my spirituality intact. Point three. Instead of insisting upon my rights, am I willing to forego them in favor of others? Now, I can have this because it's my right, but how can I be helpful to others? Right? Point three. Instead of being the boss, Am I willing to be at the bottom of the heap? Imagine that in American culture. Mm -hmm. I'll place myself at the bottom. Willingly. I don't have to be the boss. Right? Now 
know, I can leave, and that's great. But do I have to always leave? What are some other ideas? What are some other needs? What am I missing? What am I blind to? Right? right? Number five. Instead of finding fault with life and always asking why, am I willing to accept every circumstance in life with an attitude of gratitude? I do coaching work. One of the things I love asking leaders in a coaching session is, wow, that was pretty, they might be talking about something that didn't work out well. Wow, that was pretty tough, I can imagine. So why is it not worse? And that forces them to think about, wow, here's the stuff I'm still grateful for, even in a bad situation. But how much more do we need to do that? Yeah, we, we deal with tough stuff. I know we do, all the time, every day. Why is it not worse? What can you be grateful for? Which completely shifts your energy and your heart and your mind to something positive versus I'm going to get depressed, I'm going to be anxious, I just give up, I'm a victim. We don't want to get caught up. Number six, instead of exercising and asserting my will, am I willing to learn to cooperate with his wishes and comply with his will? And we're talking about the good shepherd. What does God say about this problem I'm dealing with? What does God's word, what does godly advice say about how to deal with this? Do I pause to ask myself that question? Or is it my way or the highway? And number seven, instead of choosing my own way, am I willing to choose to follow in Christ's way and simply do what he asked me to do? Will I be a sheep who's able to be led to greener pastures? Or will I stay stuck into this disease, scorched, destructive area, thinking that I got it all together? We're pretending that I and so the word that Bonnie and I, well, let me ask you, after hearing that, if you were to pick a word, what comes up for you? Anybody? What comes up for you after hearing that text? I'm making this word up. Maybe. Uh, readable? Am I coachable? Readable? Yeah. Can I be taught? Right. I was thinking of denying self, understood this, but that's what I was thinking. Denying self? Servant. Servant. say that you're right or wrong, but that's the word Yvonne and I came up with. Which, honestly, all of these, in my opinion, can be encapsulated in that one word. But Yvonne, the one word that comes up for me after reading these seven points is humility. Like, put myself at the bottom? Not lead when I think I should be leading? Consider others before myself. <clears throat> that's a mental shift. And it's a heart shift. And I remember there was a uh, uh, one of our senior pastors down in North Carolina. He had, uh, after one of his sermons, the one thing that I remember, it was sort of a challenge. He said, you know, maybe we've studied the fruits of the Spirit. I think it was. It was Mitch. And he said, just pick one of these words and try to be it all day. Can you imagine picking the word humility? You go, you know what? I'm going to be humble all day today. That's my one thing I'm going to focus on doing today. 
thinking, my feelings, and my behavior will be that. And just see how it goes, right? <laughs> you know, pick the other word that works for you, but I would just say, you know, and sometimes we've got to be intentional. Um, so, in, in finishing, um, oh, so, now we're getting ready for the gifts here in a second. <laughs> All right. Um, so, I, before we get to that, though, I want to share another work concept that's related to the gifts, really. So, in the coaching work that I do, uh, we have this rock, and we call it the problem solution rock. And I actually forgot to bring it. I was going to bring it to show you guys. Just imagine this lightly green-colored, flat, shiny rock, about this big, maybe, and on one side of it, written in black, it has the word problem. And then flip it over, on the other side, it has the word solution. So problem, solution, rock. Mm-hmm. And, and what we do when we're coaching someone um, with a problem, solution, rock sort of thing is, think about and acknowledge the problem that you're facing. You know, we work with a lot of leaders in a lot of companies, and it could be individuals as well, when they're personalized. But we all have problems, right? The problem is, we give too much energy, time, and focus to the problem than we should. And we don't focus on the solution, right? It's like, well, I got this problem, and I can't solve it, and it's causing this, and it's causing that, blah, 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 blah. You'll go on and on and on and on, right? And we go, okay, you got a problem. I hear you. And we kind of acknowledge and validate they got a problem. Now it's okay. Time out. Stop talking about the problem. I'm going to draw a line in the sand. I need you to step over this line. We're done talking about the problem. We've heard everything we need to hear about the problem. I only want you to now focus on the solution. You cannot talk about anything else except the solution. Right? And, to, and, then, and then we brainstorm and they come with all these great solutions and like, when are you going to implement that and how is that going to look and what help do you need? And boom, they're into solutions. Right? Versus, wow, I'm depressed and I'm anxious and I'm a victim around this problem. Right? So that's how problem solution rocks work. So hang on to that idea. And I'll come back to it. Um, and I'll be honest with you. I've been trying to figure out for three or four weeks, how am I going to get problem solution rock into this message? <laughs> <laughs> and I actually thought, just dude, don't look at me. I'm not a coach. <laughs> but I want to come back up, Bob, and let's talk about how we figured this out. We were in, Joe, we were in Montreal, and, and Vaughn figured this out. How did we figure out the problem solution rock? It was nothing spiritual about it. <laughs> I think it is. Go ahead. Well, yeah, at the end game. The right. problem was, um, I was headed out of town. And, you know, we had something planned, and sometimes the wives or we get stuck with it at the end if they're out of town. So I went, okay, i got to start thinking of something we're going to do because he's going to call me and ask me, have I come up with a plan? So we were stuck in the store. And it was pouring down rain in one of the stores that we were in, um, in old Montreal. And my my goal was to not get kicked out the store. That was the main goal. She didn't want to get in the rain. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, I'm going to look around and float around this store so I don't have to leave real quick, you know, to see if it's lighting up a little bit. So I was just floating around, and I just came upon these idols. And I called Al and I said, hey, do you think these will work? And I gave my idea, and 
And the problem was solved. And the problem was solved. <laughs> <laughs> so more to come. Thank you. Okay. <laughs> All right. Um, so hold on to that. Problem, solution, rock. And Bond helped solve it. Um, the thing I'll say, though, uh, with a problem solution round. There are some do's and don'ts with a problem solution round. You don't get caught up in the victim thinking. You don't get caught up in being apathetic and doing nothing. You don't focus on and allowing yourself to get overly anxious, right? You don't worry, you don't give up, and you don't continuously focus on the problem. So let's look at the do's. The do's with a problem solution round, you do pray. You do search the scriptures for answers. You do seek advice. Hungry, right? You do plan for success and you do focus on godly, righteous solutions. Now I want to ask you some questions. Think about this. What problem or challenge are you facing right now? What is that problem or challenge? really costing you spiritually and otherwise. Why is this issue important to you right now? Think about that. Whatever it is. Reflect on how you would feel if you had a godly solution to that issue right now. How would that feel? Also think about who knows you and you believe has your best interest at heart and could possibly share some insight about it. What's stopping you from reaching out to that person? Last question. What does the godly wisdom inside of you say you should do and when you should do it. I'll let you think about those questions. As you think about the concept of a problem solution rock, acknowledging the problem, but drawing a line in the sand and stepping over that line and only focusing on the solution. Now I'd like all the fathers to stand up I'd like for you to come and form a semi circle here.
as you're thinking about that, I'd like you to also look at the stones on the table ahead of you. Come and look at it if you can't see it. What I'd like for you to think about right now is, as I think about the problem or the challenge or the opportunity that I just reflected on, which word on which stone would be most helpful and inspiring to help me focus on a godly solution to that challenge. And for those of you who can't see the stones, I'll read some of the words. And I'm talking about people in the audience. <laughs> I'm assuming you guys can see. <laughs> some of the words are like serenity, spirit, trust, gratitude, courage, wisdom, miracle, thanks, forgiveness, Believe, on and on and on. So think about your issue. Think about your answer to your question. And think about which of those stones with that word resonates with you that will help you focus on godly solutions. The reason why I think this is so important because as men, we often go, I'm just going to charge in. I'm just going to get it done. I know how to do this. Sometimes we can make it work. Sometimes we screw it up. But with God, his word, his spirit, and our brothers in Christ, we can stay on the right path. So go ahead and grab the stone that resonates with you, that speaks to you. How many are? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Okay. Close the circle. Make it one big circle. Now hold your rock in your hand as you look at it. Pass it to the right one time. Give it to the guy sitting next to you. Look at the rock that you got. Pass it to the right again. Take a look at that rock. Pass it to the right again. Take a look at the new rock. Think about that. Think about how that might be helpful for you in your issue. And pass it to the right again. Same thing. Look at that new rock. Pass it to the right again. Look at the new rock. Pass it to the right again. 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 Are we back to the rock we started with? <laughs> yeah. 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 Now open, go back to the semicircle. Some of you think, has Al lost his mind? No, I have not. <laughs> There's a reason for the passing of the rock. 
Two points. Number one, the stone you picked is the stone that spoke to you, I'm assuming, and the issue that was that you feel like you need to come up with some dark solutions on. So that's the first point. The reason for passing those rocks is the same point that came from the chapter in the book. We cannot let the sheep continue to go to the same path and create a rut. Just like we as spiritual men cannot stay in a rut. Even if I took this rock and I solved the issue and got victorious in the issue that, that I came up with, I can't rest in my spiritual Lord. I need new channels. I need to continuously grow spiritually nonstop, forever. I never arrive until I'm standing in front of my God, giving an account for my life. That's when I arrive. Until then, I'm constantly growing. And even when that rock came back to you, guess what? Five, ten, fifteen years from now, you might see that same rock and you might have a different experience or a different thought or a different lens about what it means to you and about what you need to do with it, right? And, and passing the rocks, it's like, bro, here's what I've learned about that. Let me now share that with you and vice versa, right? So don't hang on to the same rock. At some point, give it away and get a new Because we need to not go to the same <coughs> fields. You have that's your rock. <laughs> you, get, you get a rock. You get a rock. You get a rock. <laughs> no car, but a rock. No car, but a different rock. Okay. Let's get ready to close this out. challenges, let's just be mindful of, let's go to God and solutions first. Mm-hmm. Right? Let's always grow. Let's always cur- encourage and, and inspire and support one another in our spiritual walk as men. Dads, you know, God has blessed you to be agents of your children, you know, husbands of your wives, so you have a special role and a big responsibility. Right? Um, but in much is required. To whom much is given, much is required. So we have to be godly men to handle this big responsibility that we have, and we don't need, to, we don't want to mess it up. And the way to do it right is the godly way. Period. The end. It's the godly way. We have to do it that way. All right. Um, I promise our communion is pretty short. The message is probably a lot longer. Um, Vaughn has a scripture that we found uh, that we thought was really appropriate for a communion that kind of brings everything together. Yes, it's just coming from 1 Corinthians um, chapter 10, verse, 7, verse 17. 
and it is it reads because there is one loaf we who are many or one body but we all share that one loaf when you think about you know the fact that we're all different but we're all in one body like scripture says we're all we have one baptism and we share that regardless of bring that power for the differences together. You know, just a couple of key points I would add. You know, Jesus was crucified for my sins. And this is the time to remember that. This is the time to give reverence to that. This is the time to meditate on that. His love, his life, and his will are worthy A lot of things <clears throat> you never go wrong following him. The challenges of this world, they'll always be here. The question is, how will we grow through them with Jesus and with godly solutions that help ground and center us? When it comes to the body, I just want to just say, you know, thank you, Lord, for creating the beautiful, all the beautiful parts mm -hmm. of the body. All the beautiful parts. Mm -hmm. With all the wonderful gifts that we've been blessed with. And then lastly, he's our ultimate father. And I just think we need to take, him off, take an opportunity to thank him for being that perfect ultimate father who will never on those and reflect on the message.